You're listening to the Annuity Agents Podcast with Bill Broach and Anthony Owen, co-founders of Safe Money Radio Marketing and regular contributors to ThinkAdvisor and other industry publications. Bill is a 100 plus million dollar annuity producer, co-founder of annuity.com and an internet branding and reputation expert. Anthony has helped agents and advisors across the country achieve annuity production premiums in excess of $20 million per year and is president of Annuity Agents Alliance and Annuity Innovation Systems. Each week, Bill and Anthony update you on the annuity business with marketing, sales process, and case design strategies based on actual practice, not theory. Notes for this week's podcast can be found at annuityagentsalliance.com. This podcast is for licensed financial professional use only. Well, hello, everybody. This is uh, David Townsend, and welcome to Annuity Agents Podcast with your co-hosts, Bill Broach and Anthony Owens. Anthony's out today, so Bill Broach, it's all yours. Go ahead and get us started. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Dave. And, uh, Welcome, everybody, to our podcast. Uh, I hope everybody's had a great Easter. And uh, if you see the, and beyond the notes, I love that picture uh, of, uh, of chalk art on the sidewalk. Anyway, I included it for that. Anyway, I'm going to start today and talk about a little uh, thing that we never seem to get finished with this country, and that's uh, uh, unrelenting greed coming from Wall Street. I just put this up just as an example to show you how this how people think differently and how there's nothing above uh, above the marketing power and however Wall Street goes about doing it. But uh, so the way this really works, there is a there's a company based in uh, in South Korea and they started producing online uh lessons for to you could take during Zoom for all sorts of grades. All sorts of levels, including college, and and they uh, they started doing this uh, <clears throat> company with, uh, and they had had very successful during Zoom, and they would sign up on contracts. So you would have a contract, as an example, where it might be for twelve lessons over uh, three months or something like that, and you would sign a contract for it. So what what happened was a, a private equity firm came along and saw the value of these future contracts and a way to uh, access and collect this money in advance of the payments being made. And so there's a there's a, a massively used program called American Depository System, and that's where American corporations and other corporations can go and borrow against accounts receivable to fresh up their cash flow or whatever they're doing. So this company bought them, and they took these accounts receivable, and they put them on, uh, uh, but used them as collateral for the American depository to, to refresh the money they took to buy to buy the, uh, the, the teaching company. So what Wall Street did then, and, and with this committee, they divided these into millions and millions and millions of little pieces, these accounts receivable, and created swaps. So what they're really doing is trading the future value of someone making payment on a learning center uh, back and forth, and they traded these back and forth. Uh, they were long on it, short on it, all this stuff drove the price really up. And the way these things really work is if you have to have a bank that participates and of course, the company that put this all together had a pretty strong relationship with the bank. And uh, that particular bank, at the end, when this thing collapsed, which uh, took about 
uh, four months to collapse. Uh, banks sold these uh, swaps to other banks. Stock market stock market guys sold it to other stock market. Uh, they sold were sold to mutual funds. They were sold to ETF funds. They just sold everywhere as they could. Sold these swaps, and by the buying and selling constantly, the price got driven up, much like uh, market. Let's see, uh, GameStop, right? Games, GameStop. Anyway, uh, when the thing collapsed, there was a 3.1 billion dollar loss uh, on these by one bank that were holding too much of the wrong side of these swaps. And about a, two days ago, Credit Suisse in in uh, uh, in Europe announced that they had uh, eaten 4.7 billion dollar loss on it. So what's known now is about uh, $8 billion in loss off these things off of, off of an accounts receivable for online learning from a firm in South Korea. And I think it's just despicable what, what has happened here. And generally the big boys don't, they don't get, have exposure to loss. It's the banks they bring in have the exposure to loss. Uh, anyway, um, that's just happens all, all over the financial news last few days about these losses that were taken. And uh, the trade, the, the big trade was managed by a pretty famous guy, uh, company. They, their spokesman currently is a well-known PGA golfer who pitches them on TV. So you can see that and look it up. And so, you know, if you get the operations like this, that they can take a, a, a small company as a country receivable, Buy and sell them, break them up, buy and sell them into a unit to be traded. You know what? Are, what do are little guys like us have a chance of ever participating in, in anything like this? We're so out of the picture and so high risk, high reward. And a couple of banks are facing almost eight billion dollars in losses together. And so, my view when I see this stuff, I just shake my head. And I'm so glad I've outsourced to an insurance company. So when you see stuff like this, you know. It's never exactly what uh, what you think it is. So I want to talk a little bit about assets under management, and uh, they've been my target for a long, long time. Uh, and I've been critical of them in general, but we have a lot of a lot of guys and gals in our organization that are using assets under management right now, and the way they are doing it, and agents affiliated with us are doing it, I think is terrific. And the reason why is because they've solved the problems of safety and security first. They built the foundation. And uh, they, you know, their prospects and clients know that they're going to always have uh, safe, secure, guaranteed income that could sits on top of pension plans on top, top of Social Security. But the other money in excess of that can be managed by assets under management. And the reason why uh, we do we're so much different than how bro- other brokers do it or other financial advisors. Of course, we're sort of fact finder based, and we oriented to the orientated to the fact finder. And we always put the safety and security in, in place in place first. So uh, I ran into a case uh, a while back that uh, some folks had uh, had assets under management, and in uh, getting to know them here in uh, California, getting to know them, I found out that the forms that they did to set their account up were never asked by the. Advisor, they were uh, just forms sent to them that they sat and filled out on the computer thing. So they were forms, never fact find like we do, never getting to the bottom of how people feel, so on and so on and so forth. Anyway, 
dawned on me that advisors like that really aren't financial advisors. They're really relationship managers. And in talking to my new new uh, clients on this about this whole topic, I said, "What did they actually do for?" I said, "Well, they they, they call us for lunch, they send us birthday cards, they stay in touch, they send us their newsletter, all that sort of stuff." And they really aren't financial advisors; they're really relationship managers, and that gives a really good possibility for us when we're talking to someone is, it, by asking this question: "Hey, by the way, is your advisor an actual financial advisor?" Or is he or she a relationship manager? And they'll say, what do you mean? And so by when they say, what are you talking about, that opens up the possibility of explaining to them how assets and management really work and how you, you and I as agents can find out if they are. And it has to do with uh, where the assets are actually invested. Now, this particular case that I that I wrote uh, the advisor just was collecting assets under management, and that was 2% of the account value. So this particular person didn't manage any of it. All the money was gone to professional money managers. A big chunk of this money was in mutual funds. So he, he was charging a fee to manage the account, but in reality, he was just the relationship manager. He's the one keeping the investor happy. The money was actually managed by, by a mutual fund. This particular mutual fund he chose, and the one I have on the screen is the exact one that that, that this person had, and the uh, expense ratio on this mutual fund was 1.81%, which means that off the top between the asset center management and the mutual fund fee, it was 3.81% was coming off the top. Anytime you give away 3.81%, it's fairly difficult to uh, to have much much return on it. Also, part of the assets or management were in ETFs, and ETFs were at 0.79%. But there was one ETF that was outsourcing to another sort to another money manager, and so that particular money manager was charging 39 basis points. So you have 0.79, you have 0.39, you add the 2% to it, and it just goes on and on and on. The yields are t- incredible. The other thing this mutual fund that had him, had, uh, <coughs> him invested in had a turnover ratio of 314%, and that means that the assets held within that mutual fund over the course of a year were traded more, uh, completely bought and sold over three times. And I asked this, I asked my guy, I said, hey, at the end of the year, are you getting tax bills? Are you getting where you owe taxes on the, on the money from that? And the answer is yes. This uh, account wasn't even in an IRA. It was just a non-qualified fund. So every time you buy and sell uh, assets in a mutual fund, they are what? Exposed to taxation, exposed to additional fees, et cetera, et cetera. So this was a terrible choice, and it was because the actual advisor who was the relationship advisor picked this fund for some reason. The other the other thing I was interested in is I've been able to pull up Morningstar on it and found out over the last 18 years since the inception of this fund it had returned 6.14%. And you think, well, safety, security, I get 6.1%, blah, blah, blah. But when you if it's netting 6.14%, that means that 1.8% was taken out on the uh, on the uh, expense ratio, which really meant that 22.7% of their total yield was actually going back to the mutual fund on it. Anyway, I've got these notes on the, all this information on the notes if you want to really look at it. 
So when you add these all together, you count, uh, calculate the fees and their percentage to the to the yield, and you can see it right off the top. Our our, our guy had had little little chance, and so uh, I wrote this all out for him and showed it to him what his the the expense ratio was and the yield ratio, and he couldn't get out of this fast enough. Another thing, another tip that uh, Steve reminded me of the other day is uh, money held in money market accounts. You see them all the time. Tons of people have run to to money market accounts. Make sure if you see these, they see your prospects or, or suspects uh, portfolio, and it and it says down there money market. Make sure it's not a mutual fund money market. So one that Steve had, his prospect had Franklin U.S. Government A. Uh, money market is what, is what it said, U.S. Franklin Government A money market. And so when you pull that up on Morningstar and look at it, it's not like the money market that these brokerage houses have. This is an actual mutual fund that was listed in the money market section, and it had uh, expenses on it of a little over half a percent. And if you look at the yield down for the last five years and ten years, the yield for five years was 0.69%. And the yield for 10 years was 0.35. In other words, the expense ratio to manage this fund was greater than what the returns were to it. So why would they? Why would a, a, a broker do this? And it's simple. They still generate fees by having it in a, a mutual fund, even though it's a, a safe, secure, low-yield mutual fund, instead of putting it into the actual mutual fund. So if you look for that, it's a great way of showing your prospects and clients how they're being taken advantage of and how how you can just move them into things that have none of these fees, like a MIGA or whatever it happens to be. But it's uh, really stunning how these, how these things are done. And so you need to explain to the broker what they did to them, and they, that person will not really be the broker anymore. If you happen to be on the notes, now I haven't done this very much, but I have done it enough times to, it hadn't even occurred to me that I hadn't shared this little sales tip with everybody. But if you happen to be on the notes and you see my apple sitting up there, it's corny, I know it's corny, but it makes understanding the concept of uh, asset center management pretty easy. So if you look at the stem of the apple, then I always say, hey, the stem, you know, take an apple and cut it lengthwise. I know, it seems really dumb. But you know what? It's a nice, easy way to make a strong point. And visual aids are absolutely essential. Uh, instead of graphs and charts and all that nonsense you see out there, just show it this way. So I cut an apple lengthwise, uh, and I said, now think of the stem as your retirement fund. Think of the skin around the apple as the asset center management, which is charged to fee the flesh of the apple would be uh, where your money is actually invested, and there's fees charged for that. And occasionally there's additional fees, and I always mark the core of the apple. And these are sub-accounts that are being used within the uh, whoever's managing the money for an additional fee. In other words, somebody managing money outsources someone else in there. And there. So that people can understand this with a cut apple like this. And I know you think it's corny, but, hey, try it sometime. You'll be absolutely amazed how easy it is to explain uh, assets under management by, by cutting an apple in two. Uh, anyway... Uh, and then you can also use my power term. I'd forgotten I'd use this so much. Is and the answer is, don't let anyone eat your apple except you. Corny, right? But you know what? If you say that and then you be quiet and let the prospect answer, that is a sale. That's an absolute sale. 
moving on, here's how you can be an expert. I love this little book. I look at the copy at my own copy right now. In two hours, everybody on this call can be an expert on Social Security and claiming Social Security and how you go about explaining the benefits of Social Security and how people can access and maximize it. And this is a, a complete opportunity. So I base this uh, on a study that's done by MassMutual. Uh, MassMutual did this a uh, month or two ago, released a study about how few people really understood the benefits of Social Security and how they go about claiming it. And, and simple things like there, there were people, a high percentage of this thing, I think 26%, that did not know uh, about that Social Security would increase in value if you didn't take it when your first year of eligibility. I think it goes up 8% per year on that. Anyway, all real simple stuff. And then the, there's also a second study done by the Financial Planning Association that, that he, he created more and more of this, this information on it. So most, most near retirees don't understand this. And if you have the information and you're able to read this book for two hours, you will know and you can use it, uh, take it with you as a reference. You will know more in your competition by a great deal. Uh, people, agents just don't know this thing. So anyway, the book is called uh, Maximizing Social Security Retirement Benefits. It's uh, it, it's a really, really fun book. Mary, Mary Beth Franklin wrote it. You see her on uh, Once in a While on some of the money shows talking. Uh, it talks to everything you want to know about this without getting deep, deep, deep into it, things that most people don't know. You read this book. And you'll have access to more information than than your competition. And plus, you can explain the topics very clearly to your prospects and your clients. So this is an absolute no-brainer. Everybody on this call should call and order the book right now. It's not, I think it's $19 or something like that. And uh, you read it, read it, uh, uh, read it at, at your next stop at Starbucks. And it's great information. It's a great resource to it. You can even carry it with you and bring up topics on it. I assure you, your competition does not know this information. So there's a way to a way to be an expert. Um, moving on down to David's picture, you know, I think more and more annuity sales and, and life sales are going to be tied to long-term care situation. But what's happening to the long-term care industry right now across the country is disaster. Uh, premiums are skyrocketing. Benefits, uh, long-term care companies are just losing huge losses, and they're doing everything they can to get rid of their obligations on those old long-term care policies. So what's happening is a whole other industry has popped up, and these are riders on life insurance policies, and eventually there'll be riders on annuities. And I think it's a great source. They're, uh, the long-term care sales and marketing process and tools written by Mutual of Omaha, really good stuff. I mean, good marketing stuff, things to easy to understand, and I think this probably is where long-term care is going to go probably for, for for most people is this direction. So get out ahead of it. Be sure and add the long-term care issues to your portfolio when you're talking to people about options are some of these life insurance policies that have the, the factors on it, and you can call uh, any of us or Scott Source uh, at Aegis, and he can help help you with it. Great, great stuff on it. On down through there. If you're down under more information, I got a real kick out of this. It's the third one down. Great little article. You should take time to read it. Uh, report from Morningstar. 
So variable annuities are going to have to reinvent themselves to something different. They've had the, the largest outflow of money from variable annuities they've ever recorded for a quarter. But the stock market went up, and the actual assets they're holding, the total assets they're holding, is, is a, a record also. So they've lost more money out, but the stock market booming, the actual money they have in variable annuities is, is, is increasing, which tells me more and more people are going to be taking profit and moving away from those. It's a great little article. give you a little background about it, uh, so on and so forth. If you follow down on the news, I thought this uh, theme, their relentless uh, drive to uh, take over pension obligations all over the country, I thought it was interesting. J.C. Penney just, I think it was $3 billion of uh, <coughs> obligations they threw into it. We're seeing more and more of that as outsourcing to uh, to a risk provider, so on and so forth. Anyway, um, Anthony will be back with us next week. And those are the things I thought were really important. Uh, assets under management I thought was really important and understanding other ways to to explain that and uh, be an expert. Heaven thinks there's anybody on the call that, that by Monday morning can't be an expert. If you call and you can eat, eat, you can get this book ebook too and you can read it right off your computer. Stuff that you need to know, little tiny things on it about calculations and things that your competition won't be able to look up. And then long-term care stuff. So with that, uh, David, anything? Nope, that's good, Bill. Okay. Hey, thanks, everybody, for being on our podcast, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Annuity Agents Podcast with Bill Broach and Anthony Owen. Check back each week for a new episode. For more information on how Annuity Agents Alliance will help you build your annuity business, go to annuityagentsalliance.com or call 888 742 4368. If you like the show, please leave your rating and review on the podcast channel where you found the show. The information and opinions expressed here from third parties or guests are believed to be reliable, but the information cannot be verified or guaranteed by Annuity Agents Alliance. The opinions of guests do not necessarily represent the opinions of Annuity Agents Alliance or its partners. The prior information does not represent tax, legal, or investment advice and is for licensed financial professional use only.